electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now in Fast, Meta's major move higher. The stock popping on a revenue beat and a better-than-expected forecast. We'll go inside the numbers coming up. Plus, Microsoft's full-throttle move into artificial intelligence, getting investors all fired up. The stock surging post-earnings and helping to boost tech names like Amazon, NVIDIA, and more. We got a deep dive just minutes away. And then First Republic's ferocious fade. The stock tumbling another 30% today. In February, the stock was worth $26 billion, and today... Just a billion. Look at what happens next straight ahead. And later, Chipotle's day after burrito blowout. Keeps on going, that blowout. Oil's big slide and Tesla loses one of its Wall Street bulls. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami all here in the house. We start off with an earnings alert on Meta. The stock jumping nearly 12% after posting better than expected revenue for the latest quarter. The conference call is just getting underway. Julia Borson's got the very latest on the numbers. Julia. Well, Melissa, Meta beating expectations really across the board. The company growing its revenue in the quarter by 3% rather than the 1% decline that analysts had anticipated. This is its first quarter of year-over-year growth after three quarters of revenue declines. The company also growing its user base faster than anticipated and bringing down the top end of its 2023 expense guidance range. I spoke to Meta CFO Susan Lee. She told me they are seeing improvement in the broader ad market, even though there is still a lot of macro volatility. She also said they've been investing a lot in improving the performance of their ads over the over time. In this quarter, they're really seeing those investments pay off. I asked her about Reels, and she said consumers shifting over to Reels, which do have fewer ads, continues to be an overall headwind to revenue, but they do expect Reels to be revenue neutral or a tailwind to growth by early next year. And in light of the company saying that its Metaverse Reality Labs division's operating losses would be increasing year over year, she said that their long-term ambition around the Metaverse is unchanged. So Meta shares are currently up about 11.5% in after-hours trading, and the call is starting right now. Melissa? Keep us posted. Julia Borson, thank you. Much better than expected, Karen. You're noting it really across the board, particularly when it comes to ad revenue. Europe was an enormous beat. North America yeah. was as well. I mean, ARPU is on every category. Uh, North what America does ARPU stand for? I don't know. What is it? I believe, Maybe it's, you know, I believe it's average revenue per user. Thank nice. Exactly. Important we explain what, what acronyms <laughs> are on this show. Let's not talking lingo here. <laughs> um, just in North America, big beat. Europe, you and I were talking uh, Asia. I mean, just across the board. The revenue, obviously, really important, but we're in the year of efficiency. If you, if you can have the combination of revenue growth and run your business better, obviously, great things happen to the bottom line. One interesting point Julia just touched on was the CapEx top end of the number was a little bit lighter, and that might include restructuring where the street, I'm not sure, includes. So that could be potentially even lower, adding to the cash flow story um, or ongoing cash flow story. A, a lot to love here. Yeah, Tim. 
Top line versus bottom line is, is always a question in, in tech companies. And, and you know, but the, the, what they did here in terms of their top line is very important. And it's also think about how long ago and now it seems like such a long time ago that the Apple privacy issue was going to be, uh, as Facebook said, a $10 billion revenue hit. Well, you know, here's AI again. And again, AI investments have meant uh, much better ROI for advertisers. It's been driving incremental uh, you know, ads to this platform, even in a period where, where advertisers are, are pulling back more broadly because of some of the macro there. So again, they're, they're doing whatever they can do. And it's just very interesting. It used to be a, a cost-cutting bottom line story. And that's what got us through the last three quarters. But this is now, they're really growing. And, and while year over year, this profit's still down 24%, um, this was them getting to the other side of the story. Remember, they had two fundamental problems. They had a top line problem and a bottom line problem. They've now kind of addressed them both. But this top line is what everybody wanted to hear. Go back to February 22 when the stock was cascading lower. So it left some gaps in the chart. Carter Wirtz talked about this. So 258 will get us to fill that gap. But it's interesting how quickly we have forget we collectively have forgotten about the metaverse. Just throwing it out there. First quarter metaverse division, $340 million in revenue. Street was looking for north of $600 million. Operating loss of $4 billion. I mean, it is, it's just an albatross. But the fact that they don't talk about it anymore is given the stock in the year of, what did you call it, the efficiency. year of efficiency. That's why but we're here. We're, and they deservedly are here in terms of valuation. But there comes a point where I think you pull the ripcord. It probably comes in around 258. Yeah. So every, everything that everyone said, digital ad business has stabilized. iOS concerns are basically fading. And when you look at the stock as a whole, no one knows what the metaverse is still. So you have artificial intelligence that you should be getting a premium for. They're not getting any premium for that. The stock is right at resistance, has to prove itself. So you're, you're questioning, too, where we are yeah. in the stock, even though despite all these things. Well, it's up 75 percent year to date. So now it's I, I mean, yeah, but, I mean it's already know, when, proved when people itself. say that it's all of whatever percent from this really, really low yes. bottom. Some right. would argue like a Karen that it, it should never, have never should have been that there. level. So it that, should have never. That, but it had, it had, if, move if we all remember when we were talking about this, we had D.C. against it. You had everything. Mm-hmm. He, he was. The poster child for everything that everyone hated on Capitol Hill. And at this point, that seems to be fading somewhat to the background. To me, some yeah. of this is the think of the market that we're in. We're in a market where companies are rewarded for free cash flow and, and delivering. And and Facebook, let's call it Facebook. Well, let's not call it metaverse because Guy just said it was an albatross. Nope. Albatross. Albatross is around that. So, so, so I mean this is a this is a, a money machine. This is an ATM. This is a cash flow machine if you if you actually control the expenses. Uh, I'll wait to hear what they talk about with twenty three expenses. I mean that could yeah. be something that still drags this company down in the aftermarket. And I mean drags them down. I mean relative finding some places to get a little frustrated again because uh, the story can't always be so great they still have a big buyback out there too and and I'll, i'd be interested to hear what they do around that but those are the things that are driving stocks to outperform in today's market versus a year and a half ago and i think there's still that stock just one other thing to add daily active users also up you know 2.3 percent which isn't selling a lot but when you're on a base of two billion Right? Uh, it's still growth. Guys, finally on the platform. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm always on Good the Facebook. You. It's like jumping the shark then. <laughs> I didn't jump anybody. How are you getting on? Is that dial-up AOL? Yeah. Or what <laughs> it, 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 I actually have it on my, my Apple application device here. <laughs> Good, Good, luck. Good luck with that. A lot can happen on the conference calls we've seen in the past, particularly with Meta, the minute they mentioned expenses. But the minute this time they mention more year of the efficiency measures, they sprinkle in a little bit of they, AI. Pixie yes, dust, efficiency right? and AI. Pixie dust and a little bit of momentum, ad market's not as bad, and boom, 
in this market environment, I mean, don't discount also the flight to safety. We're going to talk about First Republic, mm-hmm. and it's 30% decline today. Um, I think that's, that's what we saw with Microsoft to a certain extent safety. last exactly. night. No, yes. I mean, and the Microsoft yeah. quarter was fine. There was nothing not to like about it. Things are decelerating, which is normal. What we pointed out was the valuation is excessive, but maybe that makes sense in this environment. People are willing to pay more for perceived stability of these businesses, and the moats have gotten deeper and wider, and maybe Facebook is one of those companies well, now. And those companies that are most rewarded, so Microsoft and Facebook here, but, but really have AI investments that are paying off. I mean, there's no question. They're not just sprinkling AI pixie dust. AI investments are helping to drive engagement, which on, on Instagram is, is what advertisers can point to and offset what they were concerned about about it with, with the Apple. So to the extent that AI is pixie dust and it's like, remember when everyone was talking about block, dropping a block, uh, a blockchain or some kind of a reference, right, it right. did seem to be what was going but on. But they're the only ones who are making any money at, or who are monetizing AI at all, to your point. Yeah. No, Every, no, everyone no, else no, is, I, I, don't I don't think agree with that at all. Who, who's we, monetizing it? Google. Yeah, but monetized, they, 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 Google's they, always been my because yes, AI has always been in the background with Maybe. search. Exactly, and it's, so it's important in every product they have. And if they didn't, if they if they called it pixie dust, maybe. Maybe they would get a valuation for it, but they're not seeming to. Microsoft did a way better job on the call, being super excited about all their AI. And uh, but a lot of companies, not just Google, many companies have had AI, and I don't understand how it gets one valuation. I guess the, I don't know. Microsoft is doing a much better job of cheerleading the AI. Facebook's now more expensive than Google. So, I mean, for Karen, I don't know if you're, you, you, yeah. you're the value girl. I mean, you could make an argument that actually Google's. Never been this cheap relative yeah. to Megan Chapter. Yeah, actually, from from Meta, that AI recommendations have increased time spent on Instagram. As, to your point, by twenty four percent. Yep. So that's that's, that's a big figure. Yeah. That's a big number. We're going to talk a lot more about AI a little bit later on in the show. In the meantime, let's get more on Meta's results, specifically from Gene Munster, managing partner at Deepwater Asset Management. Um, wow, Gene, what a stock reaction. What are the things that you want to know on this call? Uh, I want to actually hear about what's happened. It hasn't hit uh, the trajectory of the traders here, but this is a massive asset. They're starting to uh, do direct messaging for consume for uh, businesses to consumers. And as an investor in Meta, this is an opportunity that I think could add 10, 15 percent to the overall revenue in the next few years. So that's one piece I want to um, focus in. I think that's an area that people are not going to be talking much about. Uh, also, as uh, long-term investors, I, I want to just kind of continue to hear their views on their trajectory of their DAUs and just want to underscore, uh, Karen mentioned a number. I had a fractionally different number on the DAU growth. Just point this out. I think it was 4% year over year. That's up from 3.7% in the December quarter and uh, 2.5% and 1% or 2% back in June of last year four consecutive quarters of increasing DAU growth. I know those are small numbers, but the base is massive, $2 billion. That's 35% of the active internet users are on a, a meta product every day. And that is addictive products. And those maintaining that, at the end of the day, this whole story, what holds it all together is those DAU numbers. And you do hit a top end at some point when you get all the people. But uh, that's another piece I want to uh, kind of uh, dial into. And it'll be fun to do. Another thing I'll be doing is the Metaverse count. We uh, basically disappeared from their December earnings call. We'll see how often Mark talks about it tonight. So what are the magic words are AI? And what else are the 
the, and efficiency? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Or is that I mean, sort of played the out AI as well? AI is the AI is always uh, you know that uh, don't want to overlook that uh, toy department because uh, you know they'll be talking about that and creating uh, uh, content that uh, the different Reels users will use to create content. That'll definitely be something that focuses uh, will be a topic on the call. Um, you know, as as far as you know the other uh, you know key factors here. Uh, the year of the efficiency, just one thought on that as well. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk on this. I think we've got one more quarter where Wall Street's going to be focusing on this. Our view is that uh, that's going to largely be priced in within a quarter. And then we're going to have to get back to the focus on growth. And next year, the street's looking for 11% growth. They're not going to give this on the call. But I suspect tomorrow, analysts are going to probably be bumping that up to about 15% below where they were pre-pandemic in the mid-20% growth. But that 15% is a stable number, sleep well at night, and I think we'll get some uh, just generally optimistic uh, commentary about just the strength of the platform that can drive that longer, more stable revenue growth. Gene, hypothetically, because it's not going to happen, but if they walked away from it, it's $4 billion loss this quarter, which is not insignificant in a quarter that does $28 billion in revenue, off a, a base of, what, $340 million of revenues. If they just said, you know what, we gave it a shot, what would, the, would the stock be rewarded for that? Uh, I think it would be rewarded some. I actually did the math on it this quarter. They reported 220. If they wouldn't have had Reality Labs, it would have been 340. So they would have beaten. They would have an incremental 55% upside. I think the stock would probably get 20% of that. Some people would be disappointed that they're uh, kind of giving up and they're not as innovative, so they wouldn't get that full benefit. So their multiple would actually come down, I think, if they exited the metaverse. I still think it's the right thing to do. I just published a piece on. Uh, everybody's talking about AI. Don't forget about the metaverse. Uh, Apple's going to be entering this space probably in the summer. And I think that we will look back five years. It's going to take time, but we will look back five years. And I think that there'll be some redemption for Zuckerberg on the topic. All right, Gene, uh, let us know if you hear anything good on the conference call. Raise your hand. Uh, we'll talk to you a little we'll bit do. later on. Gene Munster. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned, I mean, they would have to change their name. Back. 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 But, but they have, look, back. I, I, but, I kind of feel like AI they have taken. thrown right. it out. <laughs> I, I mean, they have thrown it. They, they've stopped talking about it. And, and he was never going to just walk away and acknowledge this. But, but a year ago, the whole point was if, if this company just focused on cutting expenses and focused on the cash flow that they generate, it would have a massive rally. They've effectively done, they've had different excuses for how they could just focus on, ex, on, on expenses. They've had the macro environment. They've had a bunch of different things. No one's needed to push them on the metaverse. I don't think they're going to push themselves on the metaverse. So that's right going to be up, though. As if, if Gene is right, that's going to be up in, in a quarter. And then they're going to start having to answer for $4 billion in losses. Um, each quarter, if let's say that that's the same, it actually increased quarter on quarter, right? Um, so let's say it's the same. Is that okay with you? I think it is okay. I mean, it's way down from where it could have been, and the rest of their business is doing a lot better. Mm -hmm. So if you put those things together, and they've said, and they've they've been very aggressive on reductions uh, in force. So it's not like they're just giving it lip service. They are, in fact, more efficient. And so yes, I think they can still spend. Is the metaverse? Is the metaverse AI? Does it have aspects yeah. of it? Is are they two different things? Do we know that? I, I think so, they are. So if they, if I, I think they're different. The two different for things, now. but they could be used. Probably there's probably threads that run through each. Absolutely. Later I think, on, yeah. I think you'll probably start getting paid on that, which is I think what we're all saying. And if they back out of it, they'll call it the Meta Reverse. Oh, oh. See what I'm saying? Oh. Set that up nicely. Yeah. 
That's so a, he I'm asked a question when he really didn't even care what the answer was. He was actually <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. got me. All right. <laughs> Coming up, more on the First Republic fallout. Shares dropping another 30% today. One of our traders says time is ticking for the bank. Why this weekend could be the last stand. Plus, a pharma flub, the group in the red today installing out after an early spring surge. So what can this what can give the sector a boost? We'll debate that when Fast Money returns. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. First Republic's plunge deepening today as it hunts for a rescue plan. Shares were halted several times during the session. Bloomberg reporting the regional bank could have its access to the Fed's lending window curbed. FRC is now down 60 percent, 6-0, since reporting earnings on Monday. And First Republic survived this downward spiral. Karen, you were saying that the... The calendar's got days on it. Days on it, literally days on it, certainly at this rate. I mean, you know, any... I don't understand what's happening here in that they've known for a while they need to do something. Is it that no one is there? Is it, I mean, how does news leak out? I can't help but think it's really chaotic there. And then I'm also sort of thinking of this blazing saddles. Remember where the guy holds a gun to his head and said, I'll do it, I'll do it. He's crazy enough to do it. And there's a bit of that going on. I don't know if this Fed thing coming out was them trying to uh, force this whoever it is in a consortium of buyers for stock to get going. Otherwise, the problem is going to be worse. I really believe that if they go over that they don't find some solution here. So I I mean, but they they do not have a lot of time left. And uh, I'm not even sure what would be left. So I have a, by the way, she just gave the one quote um, in the movie of Blazing Saddles that wouldn't get us canceled. So, okay, so I have, I have a question here in terms of the cost yeah. to the banking system or the cost to the performance of other stocks in the banking system. Uh-huh. Would that hurt other bank stocks if FRC went under? Mm. I think it would a little bit because Why? I think the FDIC would have to say, listen, this is terrible. We got to do something, right? So, regulation, the talk about regulation had cooled off a little bit in the last two or three weeks, right? It's a little less urgent. And I think that if they were to have to come in, insure deposits again, uh-huh. and I think, you know, th- th- then I think they would have to say, all right, we really got to have 
a different kind of structure here. And that would be bad for regionals for sure, potentially for money, you know, SIFIs as well, uh, systemically important financial institutions. And I think that same phenomenon, deposits move again. Um, I just don't think it would be... I don't think it would be good for anything. Also, I do think there's a little bit of First Republic is a beloved franchise. I love I love the product. But uh, and I think that's helped them a little bit. You know, if you remember Bear Stearns and long term capital, and they didn't help out. Right. And then when Bear Stearns was in trouble, the rest of the street said too bad. But I think First Republic does have some friends on Wall Street who do want to help them. I don't know why it's taking this long. Why would they buy some of their book at an immediate immediate loss? If they got some sort of warrants, some sort of pass from the Fed, something, you can imagine them crafting something that would allow them and a little bit of an extend and pretend. Brooklyn Dodgers were beloved. They moved. People found something else. But I hear what Karen's saying. Huh. But, yeah. You know, the lifeblood of the, this economy is small business, right? They employ, I think, 70-something percent of all people. The lifeblood of small business are small, medium, regional banks. This is not good because people, they're going to say, you know what, why do I need to be in some of these regional banks? I want the security of a larger bank. These larger banks aren't going to service necessarily these small businesses because it doesn't make sense for them to do that. So what's a trickle-down effect? It's not going to happen tomorrow, but you've got to start connecting dots and say, this is not good for the economy So this overall. is the last stand. We need to prop FRC up to save the regional bank. Well, don't you system, think it's, it's mixed signals, ones. though? Well, it's, it's, I'm glad Karen used the analogy of Bear Stearns. So Lehman goes, Bear gets bought out by Jamie Dimon. And now this one, some fail, some are existing. Mm-hmm. So we have no closure. So the market can't move on until there's something firm. We don't have that yet. I, you know, a couple things are interesting to me, um, first of which is that the New York Mets came out of the Brooklyn yeah, Dodgers. Yeah, that's exactly my so point. Very, so yeah. huge positives can come out of negative things. Uh, but most of the street, it seems like half the analysts on the street that cover this stock have moved to not rate it because they can't even make a call on this. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I just say that to folks at home. I, I'm not sure you have any idea what you can do. And if analysts who've been following this company for but years say we no longer. the impact on the other banks. Right. If you're in KRE or if you're in some of these other. KRE, you know, which was up today, by right, the way. Which did fine, you know, despite yeah. a 30 percent so, decline in this yep. one. So what that, is, that, is that the question? The question is. How, how does your bank holding it, you know, do in, in the light of an FRC? As a, as a depositor or no, no, no. as a holder as of the stock? stock. Uh-huh. Investor. I think it's a negative. I think this, this regulatory issue is a negative. There's a lot more fast money to come. Here's what's coming up next. Pharma stocks ailing today as the group legs the market in a big way. So what's the right prescription for this trade? Plus, the AI war is heating up, and two big players in the space are taking very different approaches. So who will come out on top in the battle of the bots? You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Buzzkill on pharma stocks. Bristol-Myers, Moderna, Merck, and Amgen, just some of the names under pressure today, all dropping 2-plus percent ahead of a big day for pharma earnings. And Pfizer sinking to a new 52-week low, now trading at levels not seen since June of 2021. I'm going to read the sentence. So what's the prognosis for the group? No, no, you didn't do that. (laughs) Is that in the teleprompter? It says. It's slightly amusing. Um, So what's the deal here? Ahead of earnings? Well, there's a prescription for this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I well think played. this, I think what's, in my opinion, Eli Lilly, all-time highest today. Merkel, they've all had tremendous runs. My sense is it's people taking money off ahead of earnings because if you go back in historically and look, a lot of times it's sort of rally in earnings, sell-off posts, maybe people front-running that. I have no idea. In, in terms of a group, I think you still own these stocks. I mean, I'm not saying they're bulletproof in this environment. I think valuations are probably a little bit rich, but reasonable. Mm-hmm. I think you want to stay with those that win. Merck, Lily, top of the list, in my opinion. Karen? Yeah, I mean, this is, I, I didn't see anything particular. I thought, oh, maybe we saw some government thing and, you know, talking about drug prices. I think a guy is right. It's just a, maybe a rotation in front of earnings. However, these have been good for the portfolio. Side effects do exist, though, as we know. Some people suffer drawdowns. But I still wow. like the space. I wow. think, um, you know, all the things that made it good, which were valuation and, and um, yield, which I don't normally love. But um, I don't think any, I mean, that's all right. If people want to rotate out, I'm not going to trade around that. Yeah, I I think in the case of a handful of them, it's been a heroic run. So it makes a lot of sense. Look what's going on in in healthcare more broadly. Look at United Health. Look at some of these stocks that have that have been uh, very defensive and places to hide out. Um, Pfizer is a name I became long somewhere in the last six weeks, eight weeks. And and I, you know, it's been a tough eight weeks. It's not been devastating. But, you know, as you said, that that move in Pfizer is is near the bottom of a range that it hasn't traded in a while. And this is a company that was one of the covid darlings. And some of that is what's going on here. They need to prove that they've got a pipeline. They've made major investments. And with a lot of big cap pharma, it's about where's your pipeline? What have you invested in? What does the market think you're going to invest in? Um, I think all of these companies right now, though, are paying handsome divs and are probably growing their payout ratios. And those are recipes for buying the bottom ends of of, of these ranges, in my view. Coming up, who's going to win the battle of the bots? Microsoft and Google coming at the AI wars with very different takes for uh, what we're learning about that space next. And a burrito blowout that is even turning guys' head. Chipotle shares surging after earnings yesterday. But can that stock keep heading higher? We'll discuss when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. A check on how markets close out the day. Continued concerns about First Republic and the strength of the banking sector outweighing strength in tech. The Dow dropping nearly 230 points despite a positive 130-point contribution from Microsoft alone. The S&P down four-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq, the only major index to close out with gains, but still well off the highs of the day. Shares of Tesla dropping more than 4%. Analysts over at Jefferies downgrading the stock to a hold from a buy, cutting their price target by nearly 20%. 153.75 is where the stock closed. Oil also lowered down more than three and a half percent for its lowest settle of the month, and shares of URI, United Rentals, dropping after hours on its earnings report. The stock missing on earnings but posting better than expected revenues. Meantime, Alphabet and Microsoft both dug deep into AI last night on their earnings call. While both laid out plans to tackle the technology, their approaches seem to be taken very differently by the markets. CNBC's Steve Kovac digs into the key takeaways. Steve. Hey there, Melissa. Yeah, the key takeaway from all the AI talk on the Microsoft and Google calls last night, 
Both companies are heading in the same direction, but Microsoft still has the lead. That's especially true when it comes to monetizing these AI products. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella saying on the call last night, the company will charge extra to use AI features in apps like Teams and Outlook. This is the co-pilot product that can do things like summarize a Teams meeting you missed. Microsoft is already testing co-pilot with some of its office customers, but Nadella wouldn't give specifics on how much it will cost when launched broadly. Another moneymaker, charging for usage of Azure Cloud to run AI-powered apps by ChatGPT. That's where the benefit of the OpenAI thing comes in. But Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai was far less specific on when Google's AI products were launched, let alone how they would even make money. We already know AI is coming to Google search and some services like Gmail, and we may get even more at Google's event for developers next month. For now, though, Pichai only telling investors, quote, will continue to incorporate generative AI advances to make search better in a thoughtful and deliberate way. So that's the lesson there. Deliberate and thoughtfulness from Google and just, hey, we're going to make money on this from Microsoft. All right, Steve, thanks for boiling it down. Steve Kovac. Um, and hence the stock reaction. There we have it. But do you think, Karen, that Sundar Pichai has up his sleeve how exactly they will monetize it, but he's just not sharing it? Or do they not quite know yet? Well, I think there is some monetization already. So, for example, Google reverse image search, right? That uses AI. That's in their search product. So um, I think, though, I mean, the tone he's right was very, very different. We have nothing close to specifics. He didn't sound that excited about it, which I'm surprised. Sort of seems to be making the mistake again and again. But I don't know. Maybe he's just playing the long game and, you know, the race is on. It's a little bit frustrating because I feel like this term AI is literally treated like pixie dust for valuation. Mm -hmm. And Microsoft is doing a much better job of... But the the odd thing about pixie dust is it's very nonspecific, right, in terms of the areas that it hits. It's small or particles. They might float. (laughs) I mean, for Google, it seems more like pixie dust only because it's like we've got it and it's in all sorts of products here. But for Microsoft, it seems much more tangible because they're saying we're going to charge money for this. We're going to charge money for that. And it's here. It's not dust. Uh It's actual. I don't know. Materials. Tangible. Tangible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's and it's possibly monetized. And when you look at Microsoft, when you start monetizing it, is it a 10 percent monetization? Is it a 20 percent monetization? And it all stems back to Google with that awful Bard ex- release. Ex- experiment or release or whatever that was called. That was so non Google esque to not be ready for prime time. And I think that's Absolutely. still on the back of everyone's mind. It is. But Microsoft, when they went back, they looked filled with mistakes as well. Um, but they're just doing a much better job of being excited about it. The rest of their business is really doing well, though, Microsoft. So um, I don't know. It sounds like, they, you know, they're just all cylinders. All right. Let's get more from ARK Invest, Brent Winton. He is the chief futurist at the firm. Brent, great to have you with us. It's always great to have a futurist on. Mm. Um, we're usually so focused on the here and now. Um, so we're focused on what happened actually last night in terms of Microsoft and, and Alphabet. And I'm wondering what your take from it is, you know, the Wall Street take is that Microsoft is in the lead. What's the futurist take? Uh, I think Microsoft is more in the lead. And uh, this is a platform transition. And typically in platform transitions, the companies that you're looking at aren't the companies that actually win. If you go back to when you know the, the PC arose, imagine you would pre-imagine that the PC was going to be a revolutionary device that was going to be in everybody's home. You might have been long IBM because IBM was the PC company, and you would have been totally wrong. Or entering the internet age, Bill Gates saw the internet coming, and he told Microsoft it was coming, 
and they lost. They missed out. They lost to Google. They got, lost to Yahoo even. Uh, and and they lost to uh, Facebook. And so here we are approaching this event horizon that is AI. And Google has all of the AI talent in the world. Hey, they've just restructured the AI division. So it's part of their core um, team. Uh, and they are not structurally set up to benefit from it. And, it. and it's reflecting in the results today. But I think over you know, the coming months and years, it's actually going to become more profound. They have a lot to lose in core search, and uh, they haven't really figured out how to respond to how large language models are going to change that that business product. So in my notes, Brad, it, it has that you believe there are other ways to play AI, and you name Tesla, Caterpillar, and Deer. And so I'm wondering why you think these you know, and you might not necessarily think about Caterpillar and Deer immediately when you're thinking about AI, but why would you say that these are other ways to play? Are they better ways to play than a Microsoft and Google? Because it seems, it, it doesn't seem like you can say that Caterpillar and Deer can monetize in X, Y in such a tangible way that, that Satya Nadella elaborated on last night. It's more like, do you want to be trying to pick the winner between two companies or that are going to try to tear each other apart? Or would you rather look at companies that have assets in the field that others can't duplicate or replace that they will be able to deliver AI software against to improve the financial characteristics of those assets? In the case of Tesla, it's a really simple case. They have the largest deployed fleet of robots in the world. Uh, if they can turn those cars that they have on the road today into robo-taxis, those cars go from things they've sold once and generated operating earnings on once to um, assets that generate ongoing operating run earnings year after year after year as they operate as robo-taxes. And you, you're not being intellectually honest if you don't believe that the odds of robo-taxi being successful on Tesla isn't improved now relative to where it was a year ago, given how fast AI is accelerating. So there there are other like more defensible um plays on the acceleration in AI than the megatech cap tech companies that are all teetering on the brink of a platform transition that is incredibly treacherous. Brett, this sounds to me, hey, Tim, thanks for joining us. It, it sounds to me, though, th there's an evolution here that's not dissimilar from what we've seen in the financial industry, where fintech isn't necessarily, uh, a lot of companies claim they are fintech players, but if you look at the, the mega cap banks, um, th they're as fintech as anybody. When I, when I hear about a Caterpillar's uh, AI strategy, or when I, you know, it's kind of like everyone's in the cloud. Doesn't it just seem that ultimately uh, every business is going to incorporate AI, some better than others, um, but that I, get, I bring it back to Microsoft. Microsoft, Microsoft putting it in Office 365 products right now, uh, maybe they can monetize it, but they're, they're charged. It's a software company. They charge for their services. Are they going to break it out separately? They're probably keeping it and making it a vital part of Office 365 so they can just keep pricing where it is. Yeah, the, the difference or, or the similarity that you're identifying is that, you know, Microsoft is already tr charging for a product and that product will become a lot more useful to users. And so they'll be able to charge more. It's the same with with Caterpillar. It's the same with Tesla. To be honest, they have already charged for a product and suddenly that product is going to become a lot more useful because of AI. So you can look across the landscape, both at the companies that are helping all of these companies um, generate AI models that they can deploy against their assets. Uh, and you can look at the companies that have that distribution, that have those assets. Uh, and so in Microsoft's case, it's their billion you know, office users uh, that will become a lot more productive because of their products. 
On the other side, Google's core search business does not directly charge users and actually may be impaired as AI models deliver answers rather than deliver customers to additional websites. And so they're really vulnerable here uh, uh, against their cash cow. And, and so that's why I think, you know, the quarterly results are one thing. The two or three year structural results actually look much more dire from my perspective for Google. They, they haven't figured out how to respond. And if you're, if you're six months behind in AI, that's the equivalent of being two years behind in traditional technology, given how quickly costs are declining here. I'm, I'm just curious, Brett, is cat or deer held in any of the ARK ETFs? Yes, yes. They are, so okay. Within, within our ETF suite, we have our, our flagship portfolio. We also have portfolios that focus on kind of robotics and automation space mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and other specific verticals. And across all of our companies right now, the primary question we're asking is, how is this company going to enable, deploy, or take advantage of the acceleration in AI? Because it's going to change every sector and accelerate right. every technology. Brett, always great to speak to you. Thank you, Brett Winton of ARC. And speaking of Microsoft, don't miss the CEO of Activision talking about the future of its deal with the tech giant, as well as earnings on Squawk Box. That's tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern time, right here on CNBC. Coming up, the burrito blowout. It continues. We just like saying it. That's why we're putting it in the back of the show so you can say it as many times as possible. Chipotle shares soaring on the back of earnings, so can the good times last. And we're dialed in on earnings from Meta. Shares are surging in the after-hour session. They're up 11%. Details from the conference call when Fast Money returns. Back end of the show. Welcome back to Fast Money. Chipotle shares surging today. The Sox gains accelerating after yesterday's big earnings report. Shares skyrocketing to a fresh all-time high. Wedbush analyst Nick Setian joins us now on the Fast Line. He raised his price target by nearly 6% today, saying the stock could hit $2,200 in the next year. Nick, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Aside from costs coming in, what are some of the other levers that you're factoring into the model to get you to 2200 Well, you know, what we saw is the big transaction growth beat. You know, so the comp was a beat, but it was led by transactions. So, uh, you yeah, know, the expectation was 1.5% transaction growth in, in, in Q1, uh, similar transaction growth in Q2, and they're talking about 4% transaction growth. And, you know, trends have continued to into April uh, when the fast casual data uh, and along with the full service data in April has fallen off a cliff. So there were a lot of uh, worries that going into April, uh, you know, trends may not have held up. And not only did they, you know, hold up, but uh, there was a big, big transaction led uh, beat. Mm -hmm. So if if transactions are are getting big, I mean, who who are they um, stealing from? Where, Where does this increased dollar, where does this extra dollar come from? Yeah, I think there's a big trade down from full service, uh, and you know, not only do they talk about you know the higher income you know cohort uh, seeing higher frequency from the higher income cohort, but they have talked about a slowdown in the lower income cohort in the second half of 22, and what they said is that that lower income cohort, we they saw the frequency, you know, go up in Q1, and it's held up in, in you know so far in April, so. Uh, you know, there is a big trade down, you know, going on. I think they're uh, stealing share from, uh, you know, not only independents uh, in the fast casual category and full service, but also uh, some chains. Uh, and also, you know, I, mean, I think, uh, you know, across uh, QSR, with the exception of McDonald's, everyone else is seeing negative transactions as well. So uh, there's some of that shift going on as well. All right, Nick, great to get your take. Thank you, Nick Setian. Thank you. 
of Wedbush. Guy. It's interesting. I mean, I, look, I think it's the right time to take profits in the stock. Traded five, six times normal volume. I love the company we've collectively, it's name we've liked, but it's, it's run a lot and it's going to come back down to some semblance of reality. It's happened before. But what's in, remember we had Jim Osmond on the show a couple weeks ago and he talked about spinoffs. Remember, this was in 06, yeah. I think, a spinoff out of McDonald's and everybody just sort of discarded. We probably did as well. But there's value in that. I bring it up because J&J is about to do similar. So it's just yep. something to keep in mind. Yeah. So, so every, they hit on everything. Transactions were up. Transaction prices were up. Uh, margins were up. I think they, they jumped from 20 to 25 percent. And that was on the back of, I think they accredited avocado pricing. Coming went down. down. Yeah. But where, so, so I think, I, I don't know if I would have, I probably, you know, would have sold this stock. I wouldn't have expected it to rally like this. I would have sold it ahead of earnings. But what's the real story? Is it growing the scale? I think opening up new stores. So those are catalysts that are probably still out there. The stock is way too high. I wouldn't dabble in it now, but it's incredible. I mean, to the extent, if you believe that there's a trade down happening across retail, across restaurants, and that's where they're getting their share from, then then why not? Why wouldn't you believe for now? At least for, for now. For now, and, yeah. And, and, now. and I think there is, and they talked about it, and they talked about also the frequency of, of the more affluent uh, diner, um, whatever we're calling the person that walks into CMG guy. What, what do we call I you? I don't know what that means. What do we call you? I don't know. Right, it means so, a, a so human being. I don't know. Hungry. <laughs> smart. But but let's get back to the analysis. So. What you hear from the analyst community is they're raising their prices based upon an addressable market size. A lot of them actually base it upon what they think of the percentage of the addressable market they can get. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that addressable market, you have to tell me in this environment where they've been able to raise prices 25% over the last couple of years and other people have priced down. And I, I, I think this is as good as it gets, but I've said this before, I, I've been wrong. Yeah, Karen? Same. <laughs> I, you know, I, I haven't liked it. And it's just always been so expensive, but just the extraordinarily good at, I mean, running an efficient, incredible business with, with huge growth. I, keep, it's, I feel like it's deja vu all over again. It keeps happening. And Out of yet. Yogi. What? Nice you got to go with Yogi, right? <laughs> and it, and yet, here we are. So I get your question. Is there a lot more to come on this trade down right. trade? Because if you see but, it happening, right. you believe it's happening, and that's why you like Walmart, and that's why you like you know, right. McDonald's or whatever other restaurant or place you like, then why not here? Well, every once in a while we see they miss, and then so they miss whatever the amount of the miss is times the multiple contraction. And that becomes a, a big hit, but you've been right to stay in it all the way. I've missed uh, hundreds, hundreds of points. All right, we've got a news alert here on the debt limit vote. Contessa Brewer's got the details. Contessa. Well, the Republicans have passed it in the House. This is McCarthy's plan to lift the uh, debt limit by $1.5 trillion, but that extension would expire in March of next year. It's part of his plan to try and get the Democrats and the president to come to the table and negotiate spending cuts. This now goes to the Senate, which, of course, Democrats control. There is very little chance that this would pass through the Senate. And even if it were to, the president has promised to veto it. But again, this is McCarthy's move to try and force the hand for Democrats to come to the table by saying, look, we have done our job to raise the debt limit here by $1.5 trillion. And in return, we want some spending cuts. All right. Contessa, thank you. Mm -hmm. Contessa Bruin, of course, this is another thing looming on Wall Street's plate. Uh, got, you know, tax receipts were down. Down. Uh, and Which that means moves this moves forward. Forward, right. 
Yeah, and we've been concerned about it collectively. I think rightly so. I don't think the market has priced it in yeah. at all. And I think they're going to push it to the limit. Listen, McCarthy can get all the votes he wants. I mean, it's still got to pass muster. And I think Democrats feel like they're being held hostage. I say that because I watched Squawk Box this morning, and one of the gentlemen said exactly that. So there are more chapters left in this. Coming up, we're keeping an eye on Meta after hours of bringing all the headlines from the conference call next, plus more tech earnings on deck. We're homing in on Amazon ahead of its report tomorrow. How options traders are priming for that one when Fast Money returns. Let's get another check on shares of Meta up 12% right now. Gene Munzer's been on the conference call. He is back with the latest. Gene. Melissa, one thing we didn't hear much details on was AI. Uh, Zuckerberg just said it's going to be in the fabric of all of their products. Stay tuned for details in future calls. We did hear more about reels and the monetization gap. That's critical. This is, of course, the TikTok competitor. They expect it to be uh, neutral to revenue late this year, early next year. Most investors were expecting it mid next year. So that's a positive. All right, Gene, thanks for that. Gene Munster of Deepwater Asset Management. Meantime, Amazon is on deck to report after the bell tomorrow. The tech titan had a huge day in the options market ahead of the results. Kelly Intelligence CEO Kevin Kelly's got the action. Kevin. Hi, Melissa. Yeah, off the heels of Microsoft, you actually saw the earlier in the day uh, 1.8 times the amount of uh, calls versus puts, but it ended the day around 1.15 uh, times. And you're seeing the implied move into earnings is about 8% of the stock, and that's the around the average it's had. But this morning, what was pretty interesting is that somebody came in and you saw a buyer of about 8,000 of the June $115 calls at about 2.5% of the underlying. They spent about $2.70 a piece. And so they think actually Amazon's going to do very well into the summer months even. Uh, so they're going long and think and going very prime into the earnings. All right, Kevin, thanks. Kevin Kelly. For more options action, tune into the full show. That is Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, Final Trades. Final trade, Tim. Good pharma discussion tonight. How about a pharma company that's also a consumer products company and also a medical devices company and a bunch of other things? Karen. Yeah, I'm very much in the same camp as Tim. Pharma, I like the space. Pfizer, it's sold off and I think it's overdone. Nice. Steve. On the back of Microsoft, I think you're going to see a run up in Amazon into earnings. I'm going to go with Amazon. Guy. So a lot of Paisley out there in Times Square. It must be like a Paisley. seasonal thing. I, I don't, really? yeah, I don't wear it myself, but it, it works for some people. DGX Quest Diagnostics. They report tomorrow morning after the after the report. I think you buy the stock. Tim and I will see you on Power Lunch tomorrow for the big stock draft. Nice. Time. Thanks nice. for watching. Fast. Great. Taking stock with Santoli starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 